We are in the middle of this great series on Jesus and money, and I've actually been getting a lot out of it. And Joel spoke a phenomenal service uh, sermon last week. Well done, Joel. Um, always knows to, to bring it from a different angle. You know, he's got, he's got the great brain. I can't compete with that. But um, God, when Jesus speaks, he always speaks something unexpected because he wants to get to the heart of the matter. And I believe that he's going to get to the heart of the matter with us today as well. So we're moving forward, and I'm going to read a a little story that Jesus tells in relation to money, and then we're going to pull it apart a little bit. It comes from Luke 14, starting at verse 28. He says, But who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, There's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. And, and I always, always have that, that, you know, that kid out of this, I don't know if you people are old enough to remember The Simpsons, but there was that, always that naughty kid that would go, eh, at the end of whatever happened to somebody. But anyway, that was, that's Jesus' little story. And he was talking about something about count, us counting the cost before we m- decide to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into this passage and and see what we can learn about money from this little passage. So the first point that I want to bring out of this is the comparison between wisdom versus money. Wisdom versus money. You know, what's our first response when we find ourselves in need of money? We go, I need more money. I need more money to pay the bills. I need more money to buy the car. I need more money for the tires. I need more money to buy a house. I need more money for X, Y, or Z. But I want to say to you today that money is not the answer that we think it's going to be. We think more money is going to solve the problem. But how many have heard the stories on Today Tonight or whatever it might be where the guy wins the lottery and he has $2,000 fall in his lap and then two years later he's destitute again? What happened to that $2 million? Well, he had all the money in the world, but he didn't have something else, which I think is more valuable, and that's wisdom. Wisdom trumps money every day of the week. So um, I think we need to change our mentality away from thinking money's going to solve the problem to wisdom is going to solve the problem. So Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 verse 9, People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. He's not saying that money's bad. It's not money bad, but this longing to be rich, which he's um, pointing out, is not a good thing. And we always like, I think we like to look at the, the rich person. There's obviously a rich person is a, and a greedy person. A rich person is a bad person. And, and look, that's the kind of, that's the low-hanging fruit that we can kind of point our finger at. Well, don't be rich. But I don't think that's the answer. And in fact, to be honest with you, sometimes we, we think that because we are, you know, conventional, we're conservative with our money, that we're on God's side of the, the line with the way that we, we use money. I don't think that's true either, because I think sometimes that we're, we are actually thinking about money too much. We are actually focused on money. And we're, it's not that we just want to go and buy ourselves a nice Gucci handbag. It's more that we don't want to lose money. 
So I'm more concerned about not losing money. And that to me is being dominated by a spirit of fear. I'm more worried about losing it. So I'm not going to spend it. But that's not what it's about either. It's like falling onto the other side of the road into the ditch on the other side. We need to pursue wisdom above all else. And this is the, this is the wisdom proverb. It's Proverbs chapter 8, and I want to read it to you. This is wisdom talking, right? It says, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor, as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages are better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness and paths of justice. And those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. Wow, come on. So if you pursue wisdom first, God adds those things to you as you need them. He's going to look after you. Instead of pursuing money as your goal, pursuing wisdom as your goal, and you're going to have, he's going to look after you financially. He's going to be, be there. He's going to provide for you. So the question, next question is, how do we get that kind of wisdom? How do we obtain it? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. And I just love it. It's just so pithy, so simple. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> it's like, here's the answer. Like, what's the answer? Get wisdom. How simple is that? And yet, no, that's not what I was asking. I want the formula. I want you to tell me how to do it. Now listen to the next line. He says, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Pay the price for it. Be willing to pay everything for wisdom. Just do it. It's like the, the Nike thing. Just do it. Just get wisdom. Whatever you do, just go out there and get it. Does it mean that I need to do a financial course on financial university? Does it mean I need to pray more? Does it mean I need to read my Bible more? Does it mean I need to talk to other people about money? Does it mean yes to all of those things? Yes to all of the above. Go and pursue it. And one little extra piece of advice. I tell you what, wisdom opens up to you like a barn door if you're willing to humble yourself. If you add humility to your pursuit of wisdom, my goodness, it's going to open up to you like, the, like a paved gold pathway to walk upon. So it means going after those people. And I'll tell you what, you know, find people in your life that are richer than you. If you want financial wisdom, don't go and ask your friend, your poor friends, who are on the same path as you, doing the same thing as you. They're not going to help. They're going to commiserate with you and tell you how unfair it is and how you should stick it to the man and all that sort of stuff. They're not going to give you the kind of financial wisdom that you're looking for. You need to look up. If you need smarts, you need to look someone, look at, talk to somebody who knows, who's been there before, who looks like they know what they're talking about with finances and talk to them about it. And be prepared that they're going to tell you stuff that you don't want to hear. They're going to give you a financial advice that you don't like. That's not comfortable for you. Because that's the whole thing of humility and pursuing wisdom. Do it. And God will look after you. Here's the next point that I want to make out of this story. 
The comparison between taking small steps of faith versus blind leaps of faith. The story where Jesus was talking about somebody building a house, there was a process that was required for them to go through. The first step was making the plans, doing the costings. The next step was the foundation and so on and so on. So there was a process that they needed to go through in order to get that house completed. So it is for us in our faith journey. And so if you ever ask yourself, is God speaking to me about this? Well, if it's a crazy kind of bet the house, bet the farm on this next step, it's probably not God speaking to you. Because Jesus is so full of love. He loves you so deeply and he wants you to succeed. He's going to lead you. And he's going to show to you what your next faith step's going to be. It's so easy to take a step, isn't it? Instead of a leap of faith. It's so easy to take the next step that's in front of you if you're willing to do that. Or, let me say it this way, if you're not willing to take the next step because you think it's beneath you, or you think, gee, that's such a boring little step, that doesn't seem to mean anything at all. However, and it's not until you take the first step that you discover what your next step's going to be after that. And who knows where those series of steps is going to lead you into. It's going to lead you into the prosperity that Jesus wants you to be in. If you're willing to take the first step, you've got to take the first step. You know, Joseph, the character in the Old Testament, one of my favorite characters, he was given the responsibility of the finances of a whole nation. Incredible, incredible privilege. But he didn't get there through one giant leap. It just didn't happen all, in, all at once. It happened in a slow, gradual process of learning and preparation to get him to that point when he was ready to do what he was called to do. He had to learn the language of the Egyptians. He had to learn their culture. He had to learn the ways of how things worked in the palace before God was willing to, to give him that large, large responsibility. And here's the other thing about taking steps of faith. It's, you think, we all think, we're so selfish, we all think that, that me getting free financially is about me getting free financially. It's not just about that. Because you getting free financially is not just about your redemption and your freedom. It's about you, you helping other people around you. It's about you bringing redemption and freedom to the people around about you. Because when you're, when you're free financially, then you're able to be generous. It's like Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, once you have an abundance, then you're able to give out of your abundance to other people. And that's what God is calling us to do. Talking about little steps, you know, many, many years ago when I was a young man, actually it was just a year or two ago, surely, time flies. Anyway, I had my hair cut short on the side so no one sees the greys. Um, but anyway, when I was just, we were newly married, Christy and I, and I thought that I was going to be an investor. Now you can laugh, you can laugh, but I thought I was going to be an investor. And for a short period of time, we were actually doing really well financially we're making a lot of money and i thought zippity doodah you know this is it for m the rest of my life and um it all came crashing down of which of course it was always going to um and i found myself in a really difficult financial place we had i was heavily in debt i owed a hundred thousand dollars i had no job we had to leave our rental and move into my mum's house. Shame. 
Um, Chrissy just discovered that we were pregnant with our first child. I had no, we had nothing. Like it was the opposite of a good start. And and there I was praying to God day after day. God, deliver me. Bring in. I was praying for money. Okay, so disobeying my first rule. I was praying for money. God, let this fi- next financial thing that I was believing for happen. Let the money begin to flow again. I just declare it, declare it, declare it. Anyway, I have a dream one night. And in the dream, um, I'm in a field and I see this cow walk past. Talking about Joseph and dreams. I see a cow walk past and it had a brand. You know, the cows get branded. Well, maybe they don't anymore. But it had a brand on its side. And the initials on the brand were K-I-S-S, KISS. Everyone know what that stands for? It's an acronym. Keep it simple, stupid. So Chrissy said, don't say stupid. Um, so instead of keep it simple, stupid, it's keep it simple, saint. <laughs> so here I am in the dream, and I see the cow with the keep it simple, stupid logo, embroidery, um, and the cow seems to be leading me. It was kind of looking back saying, <laughs> so I so I followed the cow. <laughs> what do I have to lose? <laughs> I follow the cow and it leads me through a gateway in a f- like a fence. There was a big sort of barbed wire fence and I didn't say but where the field I was standing in was all parched and barren. There was no grass. But as I walked through this um, gateway, there was another field and that was all green. There was lots of grass growing. There was other cows eating. And that was the dream, and I woke up. And the, the, the dream, the imagery of the dream was saying to me that this cow was a cash cow, and I needed to keep it simple, and I needed to follow where God was leading me into a place of abundance and a place of prosperity. The next day, I wake up, I get a phone call, and it was from another vet, and they said, hey, we've got a job for you. Do you want to do it? When can you start? I said, Today. And that was not what I wanted. I wanted the investment that I'd made to come in and everything was going to be hunky-dory and God had another plan for me. And he was telling me quite clearly what my next step was going to be. It was not what I wanted, but God provided. And I stepped into that job and it wasn't the best job in the world. And we still had debt of $100,000 and I was still living at my mum's house. And we still had to figure out a way of providing. But that was the first step of many faith steps that I've needed to take over the years. And I'm telling you, as I stepped forward in obedience, God blessed me. And then I took another step forward in faith and he blessed me again. And I took another step and he just kept blessing me and blessing me as I continued to be obedient to what he put before me. I want to encourage you today, church, that you might think you're in trouble. You might think, And there's no way out of this. But there is a way, I promise you, that Jesus is speaking to you. And he will give you your next step. And it may not look sexy. And it may not be all the answers that you're hoping for. But it will be a first step. And it will be the series of many steps that will lead you into freedom. In Jesus' name. Because God is for you. And he will lead you out. If you're willing to be led. What's your next step? What's your next step? It might be something very simple. It might be just opening a, a savings account. It might be being generous to somebody. It might be sponsoring a, a compassion child. 
It might be releasing a financial debt that somebody owes you something. It might be just setting somebody free. Something simple. But it's those little steps that we need to take that are going to set us into a big freedom release as time goes by. The third point that I want to bring out from this story is shame versus freedom. Shame versus freedom. And help me, let me explain this to you. You know, when I was growing up, I remember driving past, well, I wasn't driving at five years old, but I remember looking out the window <laughs> and, and seeing uh, this house that was on the corner in my neighborhood that was a half-built house. You probably have similar memories. And I remember as the years went by, this house never changed. It was always the half-built house. It was the house year in, year out, winter, spring, summer, autumn, it, it never changed. It was all, you know, half a tarpaulin over some part of it, and it was just never completed. And, and you know, th- never think twice about those things as kids, but as an adult now, I think to myself, gee, that guy must have really fallen on hard times. Imagine the shame that he would have felt walking down the street, being at the shops, and everyone going, oh, how's the house going, Tom? Yeah, well, it's the same as it was last year. Like, there's no change. And, and everyone gets to see the half-finished house. And like the, like the story that Jesus was talking about, it's this opportunity for shame to creep in. And I think sometimes when things don't go our way financially, shame has a way of getting its grip, getting its claws into our life. Now shame, let me explain to you what shame is. You know, pain is, you know, we experience financial pain, but shame is, is not just pain of doing something wrong the mistake or failure of whatever it might be shame is not just saying that what you did was wrong shame is saying that i am wrong shame is saying that i'm a failure it's like there's something intrinsically wrong with me and it points the finger back on the very substance of your soul saying that you're no good it's such an evil thing it's such a disruptive thing what it does is it forces you into inaction because you want to curl up into a ball and be nothing and be nobody, to be not noticed, to be not seen. You don't want to try to do anything ever again because that shame is so powerful, has such a powerful grip on your life. And unfortunately, shame, it spreads its tentacles into other areas of your life. Because I failed in this area, I must be a failure in this area. I must be a failure with, if I'm a failure with my finances, maybe I'm a failure with my profession. Maybe I'm a failure with my relationships. And so we, we contract, we re, re, recoil from every opportunity that we have. When it comes to money, you know, we can have shame because we don't have enough. Because we compare ourselves with our peers, with the people around about us. Wow, they've got a better car. They've got a better house. They're going places with their career path and I'm going nowhere. And I start to feel shame. Maybe I feel shame because I just don't have the smarts that I feel like I need to get myself out of this money trouble. Maybe I've got shame because of my past financial failures. There's stuff in the past that I just can't get over. Maybe sometimes we feel shame because we haven't been generous when we feel like we should have been generous. And we feel the shame creep in that way. Maybe in this, I don't know if this is an Australian thing, but sometimes we feel shame because we've got too much. We feel shame because we're rich and we think that's a bad thing. 
And so we feel shame that we have to somehow hide it. But the good news is this, that Jesus didn't come for us to carry shame on our shoulders like some extra baggage when we're trying to get through and, and get on our flight. You know, your pain, your financial pain might be your situation, but it's not your destination. You're not called to, to stay in that place of shame. Shame takes your financial pain and turns it into ad, an address that you want to stay in, that you want to live in. But that is not what God has called you to do. He's not called you to live in shame any longer for not one second longer. One day Jesus stood up in the synagogue, the local synagogue in Nazareth, and he read out this passage from Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to read you a line from it today. Because after he read it, he sat down and he said, Today, this passage has been revealed, it's fulfilled in me. And he said this, Instead of your shame, you will receive a what? A what? A double portion, not a single portion, not a, a ration, not a little bit, but a double portion. God wants to take your shame and he wants to exchange it for a double portion. He doesn't want to give you what you deserve. He wants to give you what you don't deserve. Way more than you're expected, way more than you think that you can achieve, possibly achieve. He wants to exchange your shame for his double portion. And he wants to pour that over your shoulders, over your head. Church, we've got to get free. We can't live with this stuff. Because God has given us the opportunity to get free of these things so that we can be a blessing. So that we can be able to be generous to other people. Coming back to what Paul said. He said, God will give you seed for the sower and bread to eat so that you have an abundance what's the point of having an abundance so that you can be a blessing to other people that's your purpose on this earth to release the life to release the freedom that god has given to you 